Christian Medical and Dental Associations hope you enjoy today's chapel message. About 2001, I had a book published, the first book. It's called Jesus MD, and uh, we developed a new relationship with Zondervan, and I think we published about a dozen, didn't we, Gene, when it was all done? Um, Gene headed that up. He remembers every book <laughs> that we published with him. And this morning, I wanted to draw something out of this uh, to share with you. For your old-timers, you may have read the book, and, and uh, this will be a review for you. It was a good review for me as well as I dug back into one of the chapters thinking about how this applied to my life. And it's called Rounding Relationships with a Great Physician. Uh, it's kind of a new way of looking at Christ. I mean, we examine Christ from a lot of different perspectives. Right before this book came out, there was a book out called Jesus CEO, which was a big seller. I think that's why Zondervan was interested in uh, this title and me writing. I wanted to write a missions book, so they said, no, no, we want something. Mission books don't sell. So I wrote a mission book, Hidden Away, has a different name and uh, had a different way of going about it. But it's interesting when you look at Christ as the great physician. There are 32 times in the four Gospels where it records him teaching. There are 12 times, only 12, when he was actually preaching. And there's 55 times when he was healing. There's more written about healing than anything else he did. And I want to look at the perspective of him as the great physician. And what lessons we can learn from that in our own walk with him. And uh, when I started that chapter, kind of getting people's interest, I, I said, what kind of doctor was Jesus as the physician that he was? And came to the conclusion he was a missionary doctor. Well, I'm a little biased. But why? Because he had an overriding purpose that went beyond just healing. Healing was a means to an end. It wasn't... Uh, just an end in itself. He took care of every type of disease. There was no one else to refer to. He just uh, uh, took care of whatever came his way from psychiatric issues to uh, people that were possessed by devils to people with uh, lame and you name it. He took care of it. He faced overwhelming needs, something that happens with missionary doctors. You've just more and more people coming and very few. I was reading that note and thought, when I arrived at Tinwick, we had three doctors for 300,000 people. To put that in perspective, that's two-thirds of the population of the Tri-Cities, and there were three of us to take care of them. He worked in the midst of religious and government uh, leaders who didn't like him. That's often true for missionaries, where there's... Uh, suspicion or religious oppression or the witch doctors don't like you or the government really doesn't want you in their country. So we can talk about many aspects of the great physicians, but I want to cone down on this whole idea of rounds. Rounds is something that you do in medical school and residency. They happen every day. It's a method of learning and you have an attending. The attending comes and spends time with you. You may actually go bed rounds where you go to every bed with the patients you're taking care of along with the attending and the other students, maybe a resident or two or a senior resident. And that attending physician 
is your teacher. He's your role model. He's teaching you how to practice. And he's your judge. He's going to give you a grade at the end of that rotation. They normally do this early in the morning. I remember my first rotation in medical school as a third-year medical student. We had rounds at 6 a.m. and uh, after a long night on call. It's a mentoring relationship. A lot more is caught as well as being taught. You're watching him. You're watching him as he examines the patient, you know, how he interacts, and you're getting a role model. Uh, sometimes a really good one, sometimes not so good, but most of the time pretty good. And it, it's, a, it's a great time of learning, much better than just out of a book. I mean, you get all basic science and first year and the second year you're dealing with uh, pathology and histology and all the ologies there are as you're uh, really looking at uh, getting the knowledge you need, but then how to apply it is what you learn on round. It's interesting. Jesus had an attending. You ever thought about that? In uh, Christ was intending was his heavenly Father, and he met with him often. Uh, over in uh, Luke 5, 15 through 16, it says, "Soon a large crowd had gathered to listen and to be healed of their ailments. And as often as possible, Jesus withdrew to an out-of-the-way place to pray. He was meeting with his Father. He was, after a busy day or before a busy day of seeing patients, uh, got together with his Father and to discuss the day. He talked about the people he had seen, I'm sure. He, he talked about his disciples and what he was trying to do with them. He talked about the difficult situations he was facing. He prayed for strength. He prayed for wisdom. He was totally human. And he had these needs as well as being the Son of God. And how often did he do it? The scripture says, as often as possible. That's interesting, isn't it? Because we think of Christ, and we should, as being God, but at the same time, he was human. And this was a need. And why did he do it? Why did he do it? Because, being totally human, he needed it. Second, it was an example for his followers, for those disciples. Many of you have watched The Chosen, and you've seen those relationships portrayed, and the conversations that took place. We can only imagine some of it, but they were seeing him relating to God himself. And if he needed it, how much more do we need it? You ever thought about that? If he thought this was important, what should we think? So what happened because of these rounds? It cost him. It cost him. He, his disciples saw that this wasn't religion on the run. Mark 1, 35 through 36, there's a story of Jesus in the synagogue. He's dealing with a, a demented man, a man with an unclean spirit. And uh, from there, he goes to take care. Now, this is the Sabbath. He goes to take care of Peter's mother, who is sick. And uh, Peter's worried about him. And they go to her house, and he heals her. And then it says it came evening, and, and people came. Soon as it was dark, and more and more people needed to be healed. And this day was long, and it was difficult, and tremendous load. 
I can relate a little bit to that from my years overseas when you just never thought the day was going to be over and then there was night call and then another day and it went on and on. But it says in verse 35, and in the morning after that day, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And, uh, and then it's, the disciples came to him and said, all men seek for thee. Another day it started, hadn't it? It cost others something as well. Because when he was doing this, he wasn't healing. Peter and the others came to him with that complaint because people wanted healing and, and they needed it and they, they were demanding it. And where is he and where is he's gone? I say that for this reason. It's interesting to ask ourselves the question, what is our time and devotion to God costing us? Is it just an activity or is it actually costing us something? And then on the other side of that coin, Jesus was the disciples attending. He went with them. They followed him all around for three years. And what happened? Well, first of all, they observed him. They observed him. He, they were there when he healed. They was there when they taught. When he taught, they were there when he preached. Nothing teaches better than an example. Nothing teaches better than an example. I remember, that's Dr. Ernie Sturry, my mentor that I went over my first uh, in college and then in medical school and then in residency. And one thing I began to notice, I watched him on rounds. He took me on rounds as a college student. I didn't know anything uh, about medicine, uh, just had some basic science. And you know what I noticed about him? You see it in that picture. He was always touching his patients. He was always comforting them. Not just when he examined them, but I mean he had a hand on his shoulder. He was holding someone's hand. And it was years later when I went there as a missionary and I heard people say, we know if we go to Tenwick and Sturry, Mosudik just touches us, we'll get better. What an example of what it means to show compassion. And then the disciples saw that as they watched Christ, as he touched the, the, the leper that was unclean, as he dealt with people that were demon-possessed, as he put his hands on them, as he, as he took care of them. They saw what it meant to be a disciple. Number two, he pulled them aside for teaching rounds. For teaching rounds. Over in Mark 4.34 it says, when they were alone he expounded all things to his disciples. This was a confused bunch of guys. If you watch The Chosen, they give you that, uh, they give you that view of them. Uh, not under really understanding what's going on. And um, best teaching happens when? When there's no other distractions. He's busy with people, he's healing, and then he takes them apart and says, now let me sit down and explain these things to you and why I did them and what this parable meant. And he took them aside to teaching rounds. Doctors do that in the hospital. You go around the ward and they'll take you into a room and ask you questions and teach you and help you to understand better what you should have learned that day. And then what is the purpose of rounds? They make you a better doctor. As I got out of my residency, even in residency, I have students and they look to me for, for answer and I, I, I have trying to help them become the doctor. And when I got to Tenwick, 
medical students would come, residents would come, they'd go on rounds with you. It was an opportunity to teach and to become more like the attending. In fact, in medicine, oftentimes when they're giving someone's bio and what, what they've done, they'll say they trained under so-and-so. It's a well-known doctor. And because of that, you, you've got more credibility because you've had an attending. I remember we had a really sharp surgeon come to surgical rounds when I was on my surgery rotation. And he stood up there and they had doctor after doctor present just part of the patient. They come up and say, okay, here, he said, just tell me the lab. And he'd tell you what the diagnosis was. Okay, just give me the x-ray. He'd tell you what the diagnosis was. Give me two symptoms. He'd tell you what the, I mean, this guy was brilliant. I haven't forgotten it. It's been 50 years ago that that happened, or almost 50 years. But it, he was a marvelous diagnostician. And uh, we spend time with Christ for one great purpose, isn't it? To be more like him. Spend time with him. And let him and his actions and what he did and how he speaks to us as we spend time in the word and in prayer become more like him. Rounds are where the best teaching takes place. In uh, Mark 9, 17 through 20, it says there was a child with a spirit that caused epilepsy and the disciples couldn't heal. And then it says, disciples ask him privately, why could we not cast them out? See, Christ then, as he dealt with that, took him a deeper understanding of who God was and who he was. And, and teachable moments are important. There's certain, I've seen tens of thousands of patients, and I'm sure Gene has and other physicians in here, Micah, over the years. But there's some you never forget because it's one of those times when teaching takes place. I went out as a medical student to, to Tenwick, and this patient came in to outpatients. She was out of her head. You can see that in that picture on one side and the fear on her face. And there she's sitting out front of the doctor's office. I was in there trying to figure out what is wrong with this lady. The only thing they said is she, she's crazy. And they were holding on to her when they first brought her in until we gave her some medication. And she's had a lot of diarrhea. I couldn't figure that out. So I went and got Ernie. He took one glance at her and said, you see that rash around the, her neck and on her arms in the sun spot where the sun shine? She has pellagra. I go, pellagra? I had to go look it up. I, they hadn't taught me that in medical school. But uh, it, it was um, something that uh, is caused by the fact that she was eat, not eating anything but corn. And uh, with, you don't get vitamin B3 when that happens, and uh, you get into all kinds of problems. They had called the four Ds of pellagra, diarrhea, dementia, and uh, ultimately ends up uh, with dermatitis and then death. And so this woman had not had children. Her husband had sent her home. She was setting a little hut on the edge of her father's property, and she had nothing to eat but corn. And because of that, she had this vitamin deficiency. Um, so why? Why is that? Why I tell you that story? Because Ernie had experience that I didn't know. He didn't have to go look at anything, but just see her skin and, that, and how that rash was all over where she had been in the sun. And she knew immediately what was wrong. The attending knows what you don't know. 
And that's true for God. You'll be in situations. We, I mentioned prayer for Kay. We're in a situation with this disjointed family and all kinds of problems and issues, and she's got early dementia, and you're going, Lord, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to handle that? She's still out there, and it's just a huge problem. I've, and you deal with people who call here. I remember one doctor that called me, and he had a 16-year-old daughter who had run away twice and was promiscuous, and she was on drugs, and I didn't have any easy answers, but I knew the person who could give him answers and pull him towards that person as we prayed together. Rounds are where you get accountability, where you get accountability. First Peter 4, 5, we shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. I had some scary attendings and uh, some demanding attendings, and some great attendings, but I knew I was accountable to them. I've mentioned before, the first one I had, he expected you to have all the lab on the chart, x-rays on the chart, if the patient had come in within two hours of rounds in the morning. I mean, it, it, we were in a hospital, where, a VA hospital, where things didn't work well. You're down there in the lab looking for it yourself, and you had to have it all memorized, demanding but it held me accountable. It made me a better doctor and it taught me to think faster. And God gives us these difficult times in our lives to, to really help us become more accountable. Keeps us from malpractice. Rounds keep us from malpractice as physicians. Somebody's looking over our shoulder, making sure we don't make mistakes, make sure we do the right things, giving the Best intentions are not enough. Somebody needs to be looking at what you're doing and to seek guidance. I remember when we were heading up into Sudan and it, it was a situation that we really didn't know what we were going to face. And so we sat down as a group in Nairobi trying to think of everything we'd need. There was going to be rare communication through a ham radio. We had to have medicines. We had to have food. We had to have tents. We had to have equipment. We had to have all sorts of things. And we'd never done that before as a group. And we sat and we planned and we did everything we could, seeking guidance before we acted. Mark 10, 17 says this, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible. And as we deal with these difficult situations, God's saying, yes, use your wisdom, use your mind, I'll prompt you, but depend upon me and I'll help you make it right. Because God specializes in impossible situations. Impossible situations. And help us not to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing as we deal with a difficult situation in your family, in your church, in our community, whatever it may be, God helps. Let's move to one more thing. How do you maximize your rounds with God? How do you maximize them? You want to get the most out of those times you are together. First of all, it's with the proper attitude. Uh, the right attitude as you go, that you're eager to learn. You're totally concentrated and focused. I think that's one of the biggest issues when we're having our devotions and time, reading our Bible and stuff. It's easy to get distracted. It's easy to have the kids come in or a phone call or whatever and having an attitude that I, I need to focus and spend time. Maybe you're going to have to get up earlier, do this at a different time, so that God can really speak to you. Proverbs 1.7 says, 
Well, that just missed, disappeared up there. The fear, Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Coming with the right attitude, with awe, with desire to, to do what you should do, desire to learn all you can. Secondly, be prepared. I remember when I was looking for my residency, it's something you do in your fourth year of med school. And everybody's asking about that time, what are you going to do your residency and what's your specialty going to be? And it's a big decision. It's a big decision. That part wasn't as big for me because I knew I was going overseas. And family practice would give me the broadest aspect. But I was looking for the residency that would give me all as much as possible of what I was going to need, where I could learn to do C-sections, which wasn't common in family practice back then, where, where we were going to take care of really sick patients, not just office practice. And, and so I, I, I began studying and looking and trying to find where that was. And when I finally found that place, it was my third visit to a residency. I'd seen it on paper, walked in, called Jody afterwards and says, I'm done. I'm not going to go to any more interviews. I know this is where it is. 2 Timothy 2.5, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Why it's so important to hide God's word in your heart. Spending time so when situations happen that you're not prepared for, he has prepared you because of your relationship with him. When you could have a personal, ongoing relationship and he can give you ideas, give you wisdom, that comes through what? Intimacy. Intimacy. A lot of people call on God at the last moment, but they've not put in the, the, the work they need uh, to deal with the situation. Third thing is you participate fully. In residency and rounds, you ask and questions and you get taught. It happens in medical school as well. The best students are the ones that just don't sit there and try not to have a question asked to them. They're asking questions and trying to deepen what they're doing. And it's the same with the Lord. It's a two-way conversation. And God loves our questions and our frustration and our difficulties. Just help him to teach us better because we're reaching out to him. Our Bible is our text and our prayer is our question and answer time. Lord, why? What do I need to do? And lastly, be teachable. An eagerness to learn. An eagerness to learn. I've had both kinds of medical students. We had a lot of them come to, to Tenwick. And, um, and the best ones are the ones that just continued to ask questions and were teachable. And then I had some bad ones. I remember one guy that went over at night, got the key from the guard, got into physical therapy, got out of our diathermy unit, decided he'd try it on his wife who was there and plugged it into 220, I mean 220 and blew it up. It was 110 volt. He wasn't my favorite student. I still remember him because <laughs> we had nowhere to get another one. And there were some like that. But the good ones were teachable. They, they, they wanted to learn. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. God wants us to be teachable. But I'm going to close with this. Who does God want you to be there attending? We can take in, we can learn, we can develop a wonderful relationship with God, but if that's all there is, there's something missing because we're his ambassadors. 
we're the attending for our kids, our families, you men and women that have kids in here, for our neighbors, for people that we know, the ones in church that we go with. It's so easy to stand back and just let things happen, but God says, how can you influence like I influenced? How can you have relationships that are going to change lives? And those sometimes don't happen quickly. It's, it's something that happens over months, years sometimes. It's investments that we made in people's lives. Mike and I had that relationship when he came as a student, never imagining <laughs> he would be, that I'd be here and he'd be taking my place when I retired. But God, God had a relationship there that we nurtured, and I wrote him that letter, and then we separated and went our ways, and God brought us back together because that relationship of investing in others, teaching, being an example, motivating, it may be family devotions in the morning or evening at your house. I don't know what God's going to prompt you to do, but he wants you to use what you've got. And some of you, all of you, are doing it every day because CMDA wouldn't exist if you weren't doing what you're doing. And you're having an impact. You may not be out there with those students, but if you're in the finance department taking care of all the finances, you're helping that to happen. You're having an influence on them and on the field staff, and the field staff on people. And I don't know what God wants you to do, but I want no, he wants us to have more influence than ever. When the world gets darker, his light shines brighter, and we're his light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're all busy. We all have got too much to do, but it's so easy to forget the most important thing, and that is to be your ambassadors in our homes, in our churches, in our communities, maybe halfway around the world on a mission team we've never done before. I don't know, Lord, but I know as you're attending, you're going to prompt us. And I pray that you'll do that in my life and each person's here. We want to be faithful. We want to be good stewards. We want to know you better and tell more people about you. I'll give you praise for what you're going to do in your son's name. Amen.